more of the sport market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Down to the Spurs. McDermott. And there is Victor for the stop. That's what I'm talking about. They call him Wemby. Victor Wenbanyama of the San Antonio Spurs. What a physical specimen this guy is. Just absolutely unbelievable. He's only going to get better as he gets more oriented, of course, to the NBA game. Uh, But he's already delivered all kinds of highlight points. And we'll get into that with Rick Hoare, the sport professor, in just a couple of moments. First, we're going to check out some franchises worth 10 figures. The Billion Dollar Club. We talked off the top of the show that Sportico is now valuing the Toronto Maple Leafs at $2.65 billion U.S. That is the richest franchise in the National Hockey League. But it's not the richest franchise in Canada. Forbes magazine has the Toronto Raptors of the NBA pegged at $4.1 billion. That's on projected annual revenues of $305 million. Uh, Rogers Communications, Bell and Larry Tannenbaum acquired Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment and the Raptors subset of the franchise for $400 million. So just their NBA valuation has gone up tenfold during their tenure. Toronto Blue Jays, owned by Rogers Communications, of course, is third in the country at $2.1 billion. Then you get into the Habs at $2.27 billion and the Edmonton Oilers at $1.5 billion, although, of course, the Oilers are not playing like a billion-dollar club at all. Rick Horro is the sport professor. He is the visiting sport business expert at Harvard University, and he's a regular contributor to the sport market on the Sportsnet radio network. And uh, Rick, I'll tell you, uh, your Dolphins didn't win, but NFL Network really made a statement as to how big its property has become, how big the NFL Network uh, brand has become, how big the appetite for morning football, early morning football has become, 9 million and change. Average national audience, the most watched NFL Network morning game ever. I'd say that the NFL's uh, incursion in Frankfurt was quite the success, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and I, you know, quite the success off the field. On the field, we've still got to win a couple of big games. Uh, the narrative is the Dolphins can't win a big one, but you know, we'll see. We're not losing this week. We got a buy. Um, you don't <laughs> care, but I'm going to the Jaguars Niners tomorrow and Florida State Miami today. So I've got my fill of North Florida football today. And and uh, you know, maybe the NFL decides to continue to move farther east in a three hour increment. So maybe it's uh, it's uh, 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 India, and maybe they have a uh, a. Uh, 5.30 a.m. East Coast game, and you got a quadruple header. You know, sounds silly, but when people thought of how generally accepted the uh, 4 four to 5 early morning a.m. Uh, NFL network uh, or other network uh, NFL broadcasts are, especially with high-quality teams, you know, look, you can't get too much football. You really can't, and this proves it. Uh, in terms of NFL offices around the globe, uh, Shanghai, they've got a presence there. Sydney, Australia, they've got a presence. Mexico City, of course, has long been cultivated. More games have actually been held there than uh, uh, any other uh, country, even with the recent emphasis on London and now Germany. Uh, London 
is another NFL office, as is the newest one announced this week in the, uh, you know, amidst these terrific record-setting numbers, which almost doubled last year's Seattle-Tampa Bay game, by the way. Um, uh, Dusseldorf is Dusseldorf is the uh, new NFL office. What does this all say about the increased priority that Roger Goodell and the NFL are putting on global marketing? Well, Roger's one step ahead of the curve in terms of uh, a leadership of of the sport. The biggest issue internationally is it's not, you know, it's not their game; it's our game. Uh, Soccer is not our game. But when you think about the issues, it's a uh, let's figure out how to deal with it long term. Let's generate the marketing for it. So the NFL stays one step ahead in a couple of ways. You know, flag football is now, as we know, a 2028 Olympic event. But also, it's an international event. 57 countries have official flag football teams that are looking to enter uh, the Olympics. And, you know, that not only builds a great grassroots support, and the NFL is all into it, but the NFL also sees this as an alternate to tackle football for parents who want to continue to deal with the football part of the game but don't want to make a judgment on the violence. So Troy Vincent and Roman Oban, and all of those guys, the friends, have made the major decisions from a marketing and an international perspective as well. Uh, you know, we don't we don't uh, uh, honor that three down game. I don't know what the hell you call it, but uh, you know, sooner or later we're going to standardize, <laughs> right? We're just going to let that one go by. Uh, you know, yeah, we are. <laughs> all, all the all the NFL stars who couldn't cut it in the CFL. We'll just sort of park that aside for a moment. But listen, yeah. All right. So I'm going to get texts from like Flutie from Warren Moon. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. There you there you go. Hey, listen. Yeah. Uh, by the way, while we're talking, you know, obviously this 9.18 million on NFL Network was a big deal, especially given how early in the morning it is. Uh, this is the third straight week in which the NFL has announced a new record for the year uh, in terms of most watched NFL uh, game since last year's Super Bowl is 27.1 million uh, this week on Fox uh, watching the Philadelphia Eagles uh, uh, do their thing against the Dallas Cowboys. That's pretty impressive stuff. But also impressive is what NFL Network has done. It used to be so peripheral, but now it's essentially helped create the Thursday night football brand. It's become the leader in terms of uh, uh, draft coverage, providing a lot of behind the scenes, 33 Emmys. Others have pointed this out. Good morning, football, another, another property. Uh, what pivoted where NFL network became such a bigger deal uh, relative to the, uh, the other big U uh, S networks. I, I think it was, uh, you know, Bodenheimer and others around the NFL uh, and their prior media experience deciding that this was not a collateral player, but it ought to be a major dr- player that drives content. You know, the beauty of this is that that many networks that decide to use NFL or others to drive programming, you got to always worry about the prohibitive rights fees. <laughs> the NFL has it built in, so there's never been a question of you have to pay for access. You don't. It's just a question of getting every team to buy in that this is another example of marketing their own individual teams by providing more and more and more access and then let the NFL network cover the entire league in addition to the games. The game commitment was always one of those where, you know, the issues, do you hold back and and take them in essence off the market relative to Amazon or the other major networks or, uh, or do you, you know, bid them into a package and the NFL decided, you know, we're going to hold them out 
because whatever we lose in rights pieces are going to be more than compensated for by the increased value and relevance of the NFL network, and, and it's working. We've got Rick Coro, the sport professor, for another minute this segment. Then we're going to keep him plugged in so we can just tap into his brain a little bit more here on the business of sport, including his thoughts on Craig Council. Give us 30 seconds to start. It's our silver medal story on the podium. $40 million over five years. He becomes the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball. I'll give you 30 seconds, but, you know, I'm rebelling against your characterization. He's as a Cub fan, it's, it can't be silver. What? What? You know, it, I don't know what gold is, but uh, it's <laughs> the it's, NFL it's, story is gold. But uh, you know, we'll, right. we'll, 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 would you settle for yeah. a tie? Yeah, settle for a tie. Tie, tie A. Look, it's a major market. He goes from a you know relatively minor market, but he's been a gold standard manager uh, to a, a major market, instilling yet more hope for another post 2016 Cub comeback. Uh, some say along with Dusty Baker, Bruce Bochy, and others, the best manager by far in baseball, knowing how to handle pitchers, knowing how to handle players. It jumped in his lap. He's got kids high school age in Chicagoland. And, you know, why not go 90 miles down the road and be the hero? So, you know, finally, this is, this is the second favorite move of my gaggle of teams since the Dolphins stole John, uh, Don Shula 50 years ago. Hold the thought. More Rick Horro next, along with Drew Dorweiler talking the Sportico valuations. That's all still to come here on the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manette. Out to hell, and that goes Noah Ball's loose. It is loose and picked up and rattled. And the Kansas City Chiefs hold on for the victory against the Miami Dolphins in the most watched morning game in NFL Network history, uh, the most watched since 2005 in all games, sorry, since uh, 2015 in all platforms. That was an impressive performance, 9.1 million Americans watching on average and 50,000 fans filling Deutsche Bank Park, which is home of Eintracht Frankfurt of the Bundesliga. We have got the sport professor Rick Hoare for another couple of minutes here on the sport market, followed by Drew Dorweiler of IJW Associates to talk about these sportico valuations. But back to the sports prof, uh, Rick, we've talked NFL uh in Frankfurt, we've talked about um, uh, Craig Council becoming the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball. He'll make more as a manager in three years than he made in his entire playing career. But we haven't talked yet about our bronze medal story, which is the launch of the Golf League, Tiger Woods and Company. Uh, I'll ask you the same question that Billy Kratzer of the Golf Channel was asked. Do you think TGL happens without the live incursion? Uh, it'll start that way. I think, you know, the game is interesting because it's basically how to get golf fans enthralled where the pros use their personalities, but they're playing on simulators (laughs) and it's really interesting. It's in my backyard. Uh, the first event is January nine Palm beach state college, uh, with a grant from the state has a studio that they developed for this. 
And for Tiger and Rory and Mike McCarley, formerly with NBC, uh, it's just a you know trip down from Jupiter. And so this an easy sell plus it's alternate media and they get equity and it's another interesting thing now you know there are also uh, players uh, like brooks kepka and others who are local but are live and so i don't think we're going to see them right away but uh you know I, I i would prefer to focus on the success or not of this new product and then we'll figure out if live kind of helps tear it apart uh, I would say that, you know, Pop Stroke and Top Golf and all of those projects have expanded the golf world. So the National Golf Foundation includes, you know, those as golf events. So this ought to be golf event, too. And it just means higher uh, interest and therefore higher dollars for everybody. And plus, you know, for me, I, I'll, I'll hit a similar. I think it's it's 80 feet from the tee shot to the simulator, I, uh, uh, the the uh, the mat uh, and the uh, curtain, I I can even reach that. That'll be that'll be cool. Well, there's no question that what Tiger and company put together here has got an impressive who's who of the, the world of sport and the world of sport business. Arthur Blank of the Falcons, uh, uh, Fenway Sports Group owners of the Bosox, uh, the Williams sisters, Steve Cohen, Steph Curry, and of course, uh, Tiger's own partner, David Blitzer, uh, Mark Lazary, who you know well. That's quite an impressive starting point for the original six franchises, isn't it? Yeah, and the idea of the franchises is you know, Live tries it with uh, corporate or, or kind of uh, creative names. I don't know if that works. The, the real key will be to kind of instill excitement uh, about cities, because uh, and not necessarily guys who come from there, but you know Arthur Blank, and he owns the PGA Superstore as well, so he's into golf. He's trying it, and if this works with kind of a city piece, and you see Atlanta playing, you know, Jupiter, uh, and that's not just Tiger. Uh, against another player, that'll be another dimension. But right now, it was a great way to attract investors, and they've attracted them. Sports Prof, we always love having you on. We appreciate the bonus time that we've had with you this weekend. You have a terrific uh, weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting again. Uh, same uh, bat channel, same bat time next week. I'll prorate the bonus time invoice accordingly. I'll talk to you next week. That sounds good. He is the sport professor, Rick Horro, visiting sport business expert at Harvard University.